in a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes can cost far more than dollars. One oil and gas sales expert, one HSE professional, and the greatest PPE provider on the planet must come together. Two men, one brand, one mission. Red Wings Oil and Gas HSE Podcast with Mark LaCour and Patrick Pister starts now. Hey, this is Patrick Pister, and this show is for everybody who has an interest in HSE in the oil and gas industry. Brought to you by Red Wing, the leaders in PPE, ensuring that people go home safe every day. I'm coming to you from beautiful, if not a little warm today, Austin, Texas, with my special guest, the CEO and co-founder of OpsLock, Joe Meadows. Joe, welcome. Thank you, Patrick. Uh, happy to be here this morning. Yeah, I appreciate you hosting me. I've uh, been working over in San Antonio, Braunfels area, so it was a short trek to get over here, but parking is not easy around here. I had to carry all my, my equipment for a ways. Yeah, I'm, I'm lucky enough to, to drive a motorcycle to work, so parking, oh, parking's pretty easy. I me. saw all the electric scooters outside. People are using those to get around all over the place. It's They're everywhere, and there's three companies now in Austin. It's pretty pretty exciting stuff. So it's not city city stuff? It's a... No, one of the Bird, they're based out of Santa Monica, and they're now worth $2 billion. Oh, nice plug for them today. So. Absolutely. <laughs> so let me just take a minute to ask uh, for subscriptions. So if you're a, you're a regular listener and you want to help us out, we, uh, we could use subscribers. Just go in there, click the little button, and you'll get notified every time we have a new episode, which is once a week to keep you HSE people focused on the goal. But we are here today talking about OpsLock. And Joe, before we really get into what OpsLock is, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Because I got excited when I saw your information come across. We have, a, we have a shared history, but how'd you get into the industry? Where'd you come up from? Yeah, absolutely. So very similar to Patrick here. Uh, started out as a professional deck officer uh, on the maritime side. I was lucky enough to, to start my career in the oil and gas industry from my very first day as a cadet. So Lucky. I, yeah, I, I cut my teeth I off. Start, I started on old tankers, 90 days on, 90 days off, and that was a long time. <laughs> uh, I can, I believe it. So yeah, cut my teeth off the East Coast of Canada and sort of got, got started there working in the uh, supply and standby business for their uh, offshore fleet. So helping out some FPSOs and some rigs up there. And then for anybody who spent any time in that part of the world, uh, dealing with 80 foot waves for six months of the year as the winter storms come through, I... I was able to get my chief officer's license and move on to warmer climbs. But so. it's exciting. It makes you feel like a real mariner when you're doing something like that. Yeah, it was fun when I was uh, 18, 19 and just getting started. It was uh, a little easier to deal with, but uh, got, got a little bit older and it got old fast. So got I upgraded my certification, got a little dynamic positioning time under my belt. And from there, moved on into the ultra deep water construction business and spent about five years uh, working there doing infrastructure projects for oil and gas all over the world from India to Brazil to the Gulf of Mexico. So it's, it's a good time. But you're shore side now. So That's correct. no more going off. And uh... Yeah, yeah. I spent a, enough years doing that and sort of saw, saw an opportunity and, and not too long ago made the transition. And, and I'm here now in Austin uh, pursuing our, our new business, which is OpsLock. So did you come over straight to OpsLock? Was this something you jumped right into or did you transition shore side for a little while and then this was just something you wanted to get into? I spent some time shore side a number of years ago, but for this current project, went directly from uh, from the offshore fleet to here in Austin working on this project. So it's been uh, it's been an interesting transition getting used to the way that normal people live. <laughs> That's right. Well, all right. Well, that brings us to tell us a little more about OpsLock. What are we talking about today? What is it? And uh, we spent about an hour just before this <laughs> going into it because I got excited. It seems like something that the uh, 
not just the offshore industry needs, but the oil field as a whole can really use uh, this type of technology. So what is it? Yeah, absolutely. Happy to have you jump into that. So OpsLock started as uh, an, essentially an operational efficiency tool. I mean, and anybody who's worked in the business, who's, who's worked in the field knows that to do a simple task these days in the oil field is going to require you to fill out three or four pieces of paper. So down to sweeping the deck, you should have some kind of prompt card. With exactly. You, right? Yeah. So seeing that happen and, and being in a position where I was not only responsible for, for getting the job done, but also the, the HSC department on the sites that I was working on reported to me, I saw a ton of inefficiency. And, you know, those on those four pieces of paper, about 50% of the information was the same. And you've got all these high paid guys spending a significant part of their day filling out this paperwork. OpsLock started as a way to help automate that process and in a way that was sort of native to the oil and gas environment, find a way to, to make that paperless and, and to make that process more efficient. Yeah. So we're not talking about just another piece of paper that simplifies it. This is a totally new type of system. It's a, it's a software that helps with that. That's correct. So, you know, it's software. It's as, as we spoke about before we jumped into this, it's offline compliance. So obviously if, for, for us who spent some time offshore, things like internet connectivity aren't guaranteed. So our system doesn't require that, but it's, it's a way that we think in a way that doesn't really impact people's ability to do their job allows us to digitize some of these HSE processes and, as you saw, sort of make things more efficient without taking away from from the functionality of current paper systems. So I, I see the benefit right off the bat. But, yeah. you know, ex- explain to me if I'm looking at it like, well, I've got this paper system. It's yeah. working fine for me. I have my guys fill out the, the, uh, the permit. I sign off on it. We put it on the board. Everybody goes to work. They close out the permit. You know, why do we need to involve software that I don't trust into this into this paper system that's been working fine for the last 50 years? Absolutely. So great question. I think a few of the issues, you know, and, and not to dive too much into the weeds. Once again, pe- people who've spent time on site, there, there's a lot of challenges in verifying that all the information on that paperwork is is true and is verifiable as much as it might say it was finished at six o'clock. Sometimes that isn't the case. So that's something that we address. Going beyond that, I think to, to jump back on what I was saying about sort of process efficiency, the resource requirements of HSE systems, I think they're, those are getting bigger all the time in almost every organization. And uh, we're, we're sort of projecting improvements of about 85%. So in these times, I mean, things are looking like they might be getting a little bit better, but obviously everybody's looking at, at saving a few bucks. And that that's something that we can provide in addition to, to all the upside functionality that, uh, that we offer. You mentioned something interesting. So we're talking about right now we're talking about the frontline guys filling out paperwork and this this is a way to digitize that. But you talked about the you know, the safety officers being stretched their limits. Yeah. And right now, with all the, the collection of paperwork, the transcribing it into Excel or some other yep. other form, they're not really doing a lot of in the field coaching, the Absolutely. job that they were hired to do. Yep. So and we talked a little bit about your your reporting functions. So not only is this going into a system, but it's it's measurable, it's trackable. Can you go into exactly how that simplifies things and how you can make decisions based off of that? Yeah, absolutely. So not only do we take these these sort of frontline things and, and make them simpler, but because it's captured in our digital ecosystem, things like the, you know, giving a report to the boss, to the to the VP of HSE or what have you, that might take a few weeks, like you said, with the collection of this paperwork and then putting it into the Excel sheets and creating all these documents. We make that process nearly instantaneous and beyond that, you know, provide a level of tracking of of employee behavior that I think is going to be really exciting. And I think is going to sort of bring about a new just a a new time in our industry, I think. Yeah. And one of the things I really liked about it, I asked you, will the system allow people to 
put in information that's not true or against policy or just put in dummy information to let them get on with the job with, with a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. You know, you can pencil whip anything and, yeah. and move right along. You saying that the system, even before they start the work, it tracks their, their training certificates. It tracks the, the policies that they're about to start working on. It track. How does it stop somebody from just, you know, just, just typing in some stuff and like, I'm going to go uh, do some hot work real quick and I'll be done five minutes. No worries. Yeah. So, so we actually, we offer some really great, sort of corporate level controls in our configuration settings that allow someone to set, for example, uh, a certain standard of training to be verified for someone to do something like a, uh, an atmospheric test for a tank entry. So if a, a given user goes and, and tries to complete an atmospheric test and we don't have evidence of the training to do that, that that function just isn't going to be available to that user. And it just takes away that that process that I'm sure we've all seen and you want to perform a task that, that requires a certain type of training or, or a certain background, and then you have to spend a significant amount of time trying to track that information down. So all of that stuff is super intuitive and built right into our system in a way that I think sort of maps to the way that people work on the job site and in the oil field. But yeah, like I said, just just takes a lot of that. Well, I like that it gave a list too. You said that if you want to do a, a, you know, a sniff test of a tank or maybe a scaffolding inspection or whatever the job is, you, it'll populate a list of who's on tower that yep. can do that, that task for you. So you're not hunting around, you know, find somebody that's a competent person to sniff this tanks. Exactly. You're looking for a rescue team for a confined space permit. You click rescue team. The only people it's going to show you available for that are the ones with training. So once again, just making that process as simple as we can for the end user is our ultimate goal. So you've got all the available resources, individuals on the rig, on the job site or wherever yep. it is. That must help with muster too. 100%. So we started thinking about how much value can we provide to our end user, especially with the amount of information we need to make a system like this work. And that led us to do, as you saw, sort of a muster system where not only do we have your, at your, your choke point or your gangway or, or whatever it happens to be, a way to, to log who's on a site or a rig, but we've got our, our muster capability. All that stuff is all built in, easy to track. No more creating cell-based muster sheets or, or whatever it is. That T-cards. It, yeah, that's a way T-cards, to go. T-cards. There you go. <laughs> I've seen magnets, all that stuff. That That's all built right into the system, taken care of with, with easy controls on our, on our web app that, that you were able to take a look at. And like I said, a lot of that stuff was information we were already tracking for other reasons. So why not provide a bit of extra value to the, to the people who are going to be using it? Well, man, when I was working in Australia, sorry, no, when I was in, in Angola, we didn't, you didn't have T cards. It was, it was a, it was a muster sheet yep. and you physically had to find the person's name, check off if they were there. And a problem I had was that the, the name Silva was so common <laughs> in Angola, yep. but it was a first name and a last name. Yep. So they would come up and say Silva. They wouldn't, you know, and it was a, you know, a language barrier. I'm trying to get their last name. They're sometimes giving me their first name, yep. but if they've got their ID card on them, I just would scan it. I'd, yeah. pop up with a pretty picture too. I'd be yep. able to see who it is. And- it, so all that's taken care of. And actually beyond that, and one of the things that people have been most excited about, and I, I actually haven't spoken about is that the way our system works, given there is enough connectivity that all this information, whether it be who's on a work site, if an emergency situation has been activated or, or what tasks are being performed, if, if nothing bad's going on, that all that information is being pushed out to our, to our web platform and that people in Houston or uh, wherever the management of a given organization is, that they can see all that happening in real time. So if in an emergency situation, one of these Silva gentlemen hadn't arrived, that there may be a little bit, bit of advanced warning for people in a management capacity to know that a given person hadn't shown up for a muster. Well, that's that's good because you're always waiting for information. You know, I've done you know emergency control systems in town yeah. and you're communicating with the rig. 
you don't want to bother them because they're dealing with the emergency. Yep. Nothing that we do in town is going to actually make a difference whether or not, you know, somebody, you know, gets more injured or the, the, the fire spreads. The rig guys, those are the ones that are going to take care of it. Absolutely. We're there to provide support. But if the system's automatically updating it, all right, well, then we know we need to contact the nearest hospital. A Coast Guard needs to get notified. We need to get hotels mm-hmm. scheduled for families to get down there. All the auxiliary support teams that have to happen, yep. but the rig doesn't need to be concerned with it. It was always a, you know, hey, can you ask them this when they're on the phone? It's like, I can't. They're dealing with a, They're dealing with emergency. When everything's settled, then we'll do it. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's amazing to have this system that would communicate in real time. Yeah, well, and I think that, you know, as I said, sort of coming from that industry perspective and being a guy who was there in those situations and trying to manage them, Everything we built has sort of been built with that in mind. And one of the things I said before we got started here was making a system. And the, the analogy I use is a, a shoe that fits the, the gene that you, you, we need to make something that fits the way that people work in the oil field, not impose some system on them that that's built for an auto manufacturing plant. and doesn't actually work. So, well, you come from the industry, you understand the exactly. concerns of working offshore versus a software company that's trying to enter the space and, you know, yeah, you know, square peg round hole type thing. Exactly. So that that's. I think one of our big advantages and one of the things that companies have been most excited about is that our whole process is built around the way things actually work, whether it be offshore or an onshore site, or uh, we've been actually in contact with some mining companies because ultimately in these industrial environments, the processes are all pretty similar. So we're just providing a streamlined tool to knock that out and, and make it easier for the people on the site and also for the people who have to deal with that information. So this is a primarily an internal tool, and I see the benefits of the, the permit tracking and, and analysis. Do you connect with any third parties, the, the Coast Guard, Fire, and EMS in town that can tap into the system to collect that data in real time on their side? Yeah, we're, we're building out external APIs where appropriate. Obviously, there, there's sensitivity concerns with the type of information uh, that we're collecting. Everything's tight hole. Exactly. Everything. But we're, we're building connections for, for emergency teams where that's appropriate. Obviously, in, in the middle of the Gulf, that's not going to work. But one of the other things that we're doing that's pretty exciting and pretty niche, and there's probably not a whole lot of the audience that'll be excited about it, but we're building APIs that tie into insurance companies that might be able to get our clients eventually lower corporate insurance rates, which CFOs get excited about. But beyond that, nobody's too concerned. I know Sarah Stronger is on our network, uh, OM Gas Global Network. I think she just probably is the only one in the, in, in the audience right now that got really excited to hear you say that. But. Yeah. So that's the type of thing is that we're we're able to connect so much aggregate data on the workforce and and push that data to management and executives in a way that, you know, right now solutions don't really exist for. And we're really excited about the opportunities to, to do analysis on that data, to predict trends in worker activity, and feed that to anybody who can ultimately make the team safer or, or save the company a little bit of money. So, I, and I don't want to sound sarcastic when I say this, but we're already tracking a lot of data. We're putting it into some system, whether it's as basic as Excel or as advanced as a, a you know a, a proprietary tracking mm-hmm. system. We're tracking a lot of data. We're we're doing something with it. You know, how is this system better than the way we're doing it, and why do we need to? to make this kind of shift? No, absolutely. And I think that's that's a great question because it gets to the heart of what we're doing here. And that is that, you know, uh, leading indicators, as they're called in the industry, are leading to the guys who are filling them out. You know, it, it gives them a chance to be thoughtful about what they're doing. But what it robs is, is management's ability to do anything about it. Because once again, as, as we know, a lot of times it can be a week or two weeks by the time that, that paperwork is filed into the Excel sheet and passed up to the people who, who make the strategic calls. And what we're excited about is the opportunity to collect this in a way that's easy to handle and then do the analysis automatically and provide that data to people in a management capacity to allow them to intervene 
when something looks like it might be going wrong or that a trend's been identified, but an accident hasn't happened yet. And I think, unfortunately, the, the way that things are often managed is that the investigation happens or the, the analysis happens after an accident has taken place. And, and I just think we can do better than that in 2018. So are you saying that the system can identify the trends on its own or will at least highlight the data? Is, and I want you to go, you know, give me away your, your secret sauce and your proprietary information. But <laughs> yeah. are you saying that the system is going to be identifying those trends without the safety officer having to comb over data or an ops director having to comb over data and really deciding this is an area we need to focus. Hand injuries are now becoming an issue we need to put some focus on. And then in two weeks, it'll be drops. A hundred percent. So we're taking all this data and, and this is a level of data that is actually far beyond. We, we collect over a hundred more data points than a traditional pen and paper system. At a hundred times the amount of time it takes me to fill out a form or? No, in about 85% less time, we collect all this extra data because we're able to track how a, a user's interfacing with the system. Did they actually review that risk assessment that they said they reviewed? How much time did they spend there? All these things that are valuable to somebody in a management capacity to know how somebody's actually engaging in the safety culture. And we take the, all of that data and run it through an algorithm that is then going to push out to someone in a management capacity. Hey, you know, this worksite happens to have a super high frequency of, of overhead lifts. There might be an opportunity there to do some education to encourage that workforce to be more thoughtful about that risk that they happen to be engaging with quite a bit. So yeah, we're, we're really excited about that. And I think that's going to make a lot of people in administrative capacities pretty happy because they can get focused on making teams safer and a lot less on, on being a, uh, a data entry professional. Well, it's pretty cool because it sounds like, and when I think about this system, this is a, you know, a process safety system. It's, yeah. it's putting everything you need into the system so you can do your job better, but then you're using the data in the field to then not necessarily influence, but at least track the personal safety. Yeah. You know, how, yeah. The, how long they're spending reading a, a safety document, you know, how fast the signatures or, or the cards get scanned. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's either one or the other. It's procedural based safety or it's personal safety. And you can only really focus on one, but it's, it sounds like you've got a procedural based safety system that is also tracking that personal safety aspect. Yeah. I mean, I think for, for us and what, what I've seen in my experience with, with sort of HSE in the field is that Ultimately, we only have so many resources and, and when things are so tricky to collect, you know, when it is a paper system that you have to make choices about, you know, what do we think, which statistic do we think is going to have the biggest influence on reducing risk over time? And then you, you just have to sort of go all in on that based on the fact that we only have so many people and we only have so much time. So we think that by, by implementing a system like this in a way that, like I said, sort of streamlined and integrates with the way that the oil field operates, that we don't force people to make that decision that we're collecting all the data and actually more and giving that all to the people who make the decisions with a bit of analysis done at that time. And, uh, I'm, I'm really excited about all the implications that's going to have for the industry as a whole in, in addressing risks before they become disasters instead of after the fact. Yeah. Instead of taking a shot and drawing the, <laughs> the target around it, like we had Jack Jackson talk about in a previous episode that it, exactly. So, you know, when, as I've seen a lot of times you, you have a lot of these statistics or these checklists or these permits and they're produced on a given worksite or on a rig or, or what have you. And maybe a few of them, the, the company might be interested in and those get sent off to, to, for somebody to take a look at. But, you know, a significant percentage of them get put in a banker's box somewhere and they get put in the storage room and, and nobody ever looks at them. And I happen to think that that has a, 
an effect on, on people's enthusiasm for safety systems. So instead of forcing people to interact with, with paper systems that have value and make them be more thoughtful about risk, but everybody's pretty aware they end up, you know, these things get stored and, and never looked at again, that we're making sure that everything somebody does, whether it be filling out a permit, reviewing a risk assessment, reviewing a toolbox talk, all that stuff's included in our system. And we're able to take value from, from people's inter every interaction they have with that. And uh, I, I'm pretty excited, like I said, about all the implications this is going to have. I don't even think we understand the way this is going to influence the way that people manage in the oil field. But I'm pretty confident that giving people all these tools, I'm really excited to see the way that people use them and the way it can help keep our team safer out there. All right. So I have to ask you about implementation. So yep. everybody's got their own permitting systems, say JSAs, JRAs, J, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Is everything you're doing custom or is this a template that everybody has to fall in line and use the same same format? And follow up to that, are companies able to put their historical data into it? Is it worth the time to go back in and take all that paper information and have somebody enter it into the new system? Yep. So with, with regards to sort of implementation of historical data, we're building out APIs to, to give people a certain amount of a sort of a look into their past. Obviously, there's a lot of information that just aren't captured by traditional systems that, that we wouldn't be able to backfill. But uh, we are sort of creating opportunities to include those in what we're doing and that you'll even in our visual interpretation of the statistics that you'll be able to see things whatever it is that you've got tracked within our... So I'm not losing it by going to a new system. Exactly. And things like risk assessments, things like that, documents that have lived for a long time and people don't want to give up on. Absolutely, we're, we're making ways that if that's a PDF document, for example, that we can still integrate it with the system, people can still review it and sign off on it. We would obviously love to see them standardize and, and flow into our format purely for technical reasons. But... I think for me, once again, coming from that industry perspective, I understand that a lot of people are just going to turn their heads at, hey, listen, this sounds great, but we don't want to spend the next six months in implementing this. So creating as many opportunities as we can to make this implementation as streamlined as possible has been a big focus for our development. Yeah. So I wanted to ask a question that you probably don't want to answer, but the, <laughs> so with any system, it's, I can see the guys in the field not wanting to be tracked. Mm -hmm. That now I'm putting all this Im information in, you know, how, how long it's taken me to read something. I, I don't like all those eyes on me, even though it's getting, you know, put into one big data set. So workarounds, how are people, are guys in the field able to just get around certain things uh, and not, I don't mean pencil whip, but are they able to put information in to, you know, all right, I'm going to leave the, I'm going to leave the procedure open sitting on the desk for the next 10 minutes. Cause I want somebody to think I had it open and I was really pondering the. <laughs> Good yeah. job. I, I think to a certain extent, I mean, there's only so much we can address. And ultimately, if, if somebody's going to be that intent on working away from their own safety, I think that's a whole other issue entirely. But well, and I don't want to I don't want to make it sound like that's what people are doing 100%. out there to, to get it away from their safety. But it's a it's a new thing that they have to learn. Maybe they don't understand. And it's yeah. like, I just I don't want to do something new. I want to I want to do my job. Don't throw another piece of paper on me. Don't throw another software on me. Just let me let me do the work. Let me drill the hole. Let me complete the well. Yeah. Let me do my job. So not that they're actively trying to avoid, you know, being safe on the job. But yeah. they want to do the work. They don't want another system in place. So I can just see them trying to do, you know, 
minimal effort on this new system that you're forcing down their throats and let them do their job. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think that that's a great question because ultimately I think we're actually going to make those people the happiest. What we're doing here is taking work off their plates. We're, We're knocking the amount of time they have to spend. If, you know, if they have to spend 15 minutes with the way their company system is right now, I'm pretty confident that the way our system's implemented, that's going to be five minutes with all the same things pumped out to the the safety department to make sure that that team is working safely. As far as resistance to adopting a system like this, once again, coming from the industry and and seeing some of the the characters that I'm sure we've all dealt with. You and I were both one of those characters at one point. I still am to a certain (laughs) extent, but uh, implementation is something that I've often seen fall to the wayside across industry in, in a million of different things. And with that in mind, we've tried to do whatever we can to make sure that when people have questions, when people hit those roadblocks that they, they no doubt will, that our system in an integrated way answers those questions as they arise. So whether it be a little info button, when you get to a certain screen and you're not sure what to do next, that, that those questions are answered internally. One of our guiding development principles is that there shouldn't have to be a manual that the questions should be answered in the context of the system, whether that be, you know, if it's your first time filling out a permit on our system, that our system's going to run you through training on how to do that correctly. And, and to take that burden off of a training department, you don't need to go do four hours of training, do a permit to work that that's all native to the system on which you're completing the permit. And then we're tracking that. And we can say in a proactive way, hey, you know, maybe Jimmy over here is a little resistant to listening to his permit training and that we can monitor his a, a person's performance and then not in a in a gotcha kind of way but sort of to fundamentally look at the fact that these systems are meant to protect people we can roll out training again if that's appropriate or flag discrepancies if for example somebody opens a risk assessment and then it's open for 2 hours well there's a good chance they probably laid it on a desk <laughs> and that might might be something that somebody wants to investigate but ultimately a big part of what we're doing is is by no means about sort of developing a gotcha system. I think it's actually really important to me to implement sort of anonymity and aggregation wherever possible. But what we're trying to do is enable management to make informed decisions, like we said, in advance of something bad happening. And if you have a a group of people that are, and we we spoke about this before, if, if a given rig is producing stats that we like, but they're all being produced by one person. Well, that's not going to be indicative of the type of safety culture that everybody wants to see in the oil field. And that if we're able to, through the system, without devoting a bunch of time to investigating it, see that maybe a given rig has widespread adoption of a given program, but they're just a little bit below our target statistic. Well, that they're doing a good job and they're adopting it as a culture, but maybe they're just a little bit below that stat. And they're not the ones we need to focus on so much as another rig that has great stats, but... If you, if you get into the details, they're all being produced by one person. So I think it's more about just providing management with the tools where it's appropriate to make informed decisions, like I said, in advance of something bad happening. Well, and uh, I, I caught one point that the I think the guys in the field will like it. If you've ever tried to chase down your tool pusher on a rig with no elevators and you yep. can't find them just to get that last signature you need before you can start the work, I think uh, having it in a central repository where you can just say, Hey, go into the system and sign off for me. Yeah, I, I know there was a few Thai welders I worked with previous in my career who spent quite a bit of the, their day going up and down seven flights of stairs to get permits signed. And 
I think if they were able to hop on a radio and, and call someone and say, hey, you know, permit's been prepared, we'd be mind signing off on it. And that person could just hop on their computer or on a mobile device and sign off on that. Save those guys a few calories. Well, and those mobile devices are turned into the radios. The, you know, some yep. of these managers, that's that's how they do inspections. That's how they track their work. So they've already got the mobile device with them. So if they know that they get a notification, they got the next one in the system, let's, let's review it. Let's sign off and let's get to work. Absolutely. And I think it's important to mention, I mean, I understand that there's a lot of, especially oil field operators, that actually prevent the use of a mobile device in the field. And we're sensitive to that. We've implemented our, our ID card system, which you saw, which allows for things to be tracked in a sort of totally non-electronic way. And you can be thoughtful and systemic about when you're going to scan it with a phone or, or what have you. But there's by no means a part of our system that requires everyone to carry their phone with them out on a drill floor. <laughs> awesome. Well, we're getting to the point where we need to do our Red Wings safety tip of the week. So, Joe, do you have a safety tip for us this week? I was, you know, I've heard a few of your episodes. I was thinking about this a little bit. You've listened to them all and on repeat, right? Of course, <laughs> of course. I think all I would say is maybe not be thoughtful, but maybe ask why you're doing it. any sort of safety procedure. All these procedures have a point. It's not just about going through the motions and taking a minute to be thoughtful about what is this meant to produce and how is this going to make me safer is ultimately just going to make you safer on the work site. You're going to be more thoughtful. You're going to be more engaged. And, you know, I, I think we could all do more of that. I love it. And on the other side of that, if you're if your subordinates are asking why, let them know why you're doing something. Why you know, don't just don't just give them the because I said so. Yeah, I think uh, a wise man once told me uh, respect is earned, not demanded, and I think it it applies to that quite well. I like it. Yeah. So, Joe, you see our Red Wing offshore bag there, the the red one. That, Beautiful. Uh, yeah. So uh, you can go and uh, enter for your chance to win one of those, and we give away one a week. You just go to redwingshoes.com forward slash podcasts redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast or you can text rig bag to 555-888 and that'll take you right to the site where you can do it uh do it on your mobile device uh, I, yeah i know what i'm doing immediately after this interview is over absolutely <laughs> and then if you want to stay connected with us and find out what we're doing you can go to oilandgashse.com that's where all of our shows are posted we also have a linkedin group uh, if you just type in OGGN, it'll pop up, but it's the Oil & Gas Global Network LinkedIn group. Events coming up. We've got another happy hour. Well, uh, not sure when this episode's coming out, but every <laughs> every month, I think it's the last Tuesday of the month in Houston, and I think we're about to be expanding into new markets, but we will let y'all know more about that whenever it comes up. And Joe, I really appreciate you taking the time to you know invite me to your office here in Austin and talk about something that seems like you're making the the oil field a better place. And I wish it was around when <laughs> I was offshore. So if, sorry if there's anything anything. Where should people go to find out more information about you, about the the company, about the the software? Well, absolutely. So you you can find me on LinkedIn. Just search Joe Meadows. I'm sure I'll pop up somewhere. If you want to learn more about OpsLock or or get involved, uh, right now we're not we're not commercially released. So. If any companies would sort of be interested in getting involved before, while the clay's still wet, as I like to say, feel free to check us out on opslock.com, O-P-S-L-O-C-K. And if anybody wants to contact me directly, feel free to send me an email at joe at opslock.com. Excellent. We'll put links in the show. Are you in beta right now? Are you accepting companies to come on board and start, you know, yeah, so, poking so holes in it? Our, our beta platform is developed and our beta is expected to go live here uh, in the later part of this year, expecting to go live in September. So we've got a few companies on board already, both here in the U.S. and internationally, and love to get more. We're getting some great input and we'd love to get more from whether it be offshore, whether it be on rigs or what have you. We're, we're really excited to see what people have and how they can make use of what we're doing. Yeah. If you want to get into the leading edge of the digital oil field, uh, reach out to Joe and let him know you're interested. Absolutely. I think, as I said before, one, one of the 
points our existing clients have made is that they want to see that their competitors can't get involved. Uh, and that, that's one of always the things that they include. So that's a good motivator. Absolutely. So it's, uh, it's really exciting to see, you know, the, these people who are excited to innovate the space and all the exciting applications they have for the data that we're collecting. Well, and so. as the industry ramps up, there is a shortage of people in the Permian Basin. And if I was going to, if I was evaluating two companies and one was just so much easier to get through all the bureaucratic paperwork that I'd have to normally deal with, I would, I would lean towards using something that going to a company that's, you know, forward-thinking, software-friendly that yeah. makes we, my job easier. We've seen recruiting departments get really excited. As as we know, there's, there's a shortage of guys in the industry, and it's only going to get worse. And the, the millennials of these days, they're not too excited about doing checklists all day. So <laughs> something like this is more native to them. And beyond that, uh, we've seen a lot of oil field service providers get pretty excited about you know, when, when you're applying for a bid, showing something like this is uh, is quite a bit more compelling to a major. Oh, not just the tool, but showing that data. Exactly. Because you always ask for information. I know we're getting into another topic. <laughs> you always want to know the safety metrics. Yep. And and everybody's just saying, well, here's my number. Here's yep. my TRIR. Here's my incinerator. You know, here's here's the information. Yep. But yeah, really diving down to what it is. You know, I got a chance to look at your your platform and how the data is presented. Yeah. Uh, that would be a lot more compelling than just telling me you had three incidents a month or three incidents for the whole year, whatever it is. Yeah, we, we were. Uh, we were not expecting to see that VPs of business development are often some of our most enthusiastic supporters. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So. Well, thanks for being on the show. And um, I don't know how to close this out without Mark here. <laughs> don't be afraid to give the good go for the great. That's, uh, that's his line, but y'all just be safe out there. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Tune in next week for another exciting episode of Red Wings Oil and Gas HSC Podcast, a production of the Global Oil and Gas Network. Learn more from Mark LaCour at modalpoint.com. Connect with Patrick Pister at leanoilfield.com. From Houston to London to Dubai and beyond. As far as crazy stories that will especially excite the audience of this podcast would be, uh, I was working on a, a flexible flow line installation in Brazil. So we had a, a flow line that was plugged into an active well, had it up on the deck of the uh, construction ship that I was working on, and cut off, spliced, open to the well. Valves were closed. And anyone who's ever worked offshore Brazil will be familiar with the fact that something like a, an interface permit to manage different assets in a field does not exist. So we're there working away. Obviously, you know, if, if the wrong things happen, there's pretty significant H2S risk in a situation like that with a flow line connected right to a wellhead. And I was on the bridge of the ship and I saw an ROV vessel approaching us and they, they put a sub in the water and I looked on the survey screen and I said, there's not much around here. And we gave them a call on the radio and in, in broken English, sort of, they responded when we asked them what they were doing. I said, oh, we're just doing some valve tests on this well down here. <laughs> so we very quickly called an all-stop and got everybody in off the deck and had a relatively heated conversation with the uh, the representative of the oil company we were working for down in Brazil. And anyway, that, that was... The RV of, boat didn't reach out to you to say, hey... Oh, no, they, they were not <laughs> not interested in getting involved with us. Uh, you know, we were obviously a lot of North Americans and, and they weren't super comfortable speaking English, but... Yeah, they were actively testing valves on the well that we were plugged into with a line open on our deck. And I've never seen 
<laughs> something like that come together, especially in the modern day. I mean, this this wasn't all that long ago. And, what uh, you doing over there? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Hey, guys, uh, do you mind stopping? And yeah. we ended up, like I said, having to evacuate the deck, lock it down until uh, until they were finished their operations because they refused to stop. So wow. That, that was about as, as crazy as it got, or at least as crazy as I'll tell you here. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah.